there. There. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Easy. All right, okay. cool. Um, uh, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having um, me on. Uh, so I'll just kind of introduce us. Uh, so welcome to Curious Pete. Uh, my name is Pete, and I'm uh, sitting here with Zach uh, Hadfield. Hello. Yes. And I uh, didn't know if I pronounced that right. That was exactly right. Oh, easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. Phonics. <laughs> um, so I see you're sporting. Is that the is that the Good Chat comedy or what close? Is it? uh, it's a crack up. But, crack up. Uh, but we yeah. do run out of the Good Chat room at the moment. So uh, like on oh, Mondays. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. Cool. So, yeah. Are you are you on the like uh, a group of comedians who runs that or how does that work? Um, so I run Crack Up Comedy, um, which started at Backdog Arts, um, like March 2020, which is great timing uh, for for live shows. Um, <laughs> and then uh, basically we had like a show in March, and then everything sort of shut down for like two or three months. Yeah, um, and then yeah, back into it, and, and we literally just moved to Good Chat, probably like yeah, literally January. You're right. So you've probably been so you've been doing comedy for a while then, I'd imagine, if you're starting your own venues. Um I've done comedy <laughs> since two thousand nineteen. Like okay. October two thousand nineteen, I think I started. Yeah, cool. But I just kind of rushed in. <laughs> there's there's a, a, such a growing scene in Brisbane that I kind of picked up that people wanted more rooms and things and thought like, Oh, mm-hmm. I can probably try for that. So Yeah, nice. Yeah, decided to start. Originally it was a monthly show and then it kinda went to fortnightly and then weekly, mm. like relatively quickly. Yeah. So, are you? So, is it is it you and a, and a bunch of comedians that got it together, or is it just is it just you who started it? And then- um, crack up! I own myself. Like yeah. I pretty much do that. Mm. I definitely get help from other comedians though. Like so, a guy called Henry Shearman who does uh, photography for shows. Uh, he also helps Good Chat with their photography stuff. Mm. Um, and then yeah, a couple of other comedians I sort of work on and off with for different bits and pieces. Okay, great. Yeah. So. Well, you, yeah. So, when if people wanted to come to it, when, where, and when do they go? Um, at the moment, my shows are on Monday, uh, every Monday at Good Chat Comedy Club, which is uh, Fritzenberger on Caxton Street. Yeah, cool. It's like yeah, downstairs. Uh, they're a fun room, and they do shows also like Wednesdays and Fridays there, which which are a fun time. Yeah, nice. Um, well, uh, yeah. Tell me about a bit about yourself. Like, where are you from, and um, all that stuff. Sure. Uh, I'm from England originally, actually. So I yeah, right. grew up in the south of England, uh, lived in England for 14 years, 13 years, and then moved here when oh. I was 13. Uh, well, I moved to Harvey Bay in like the north of Queensland. Well, further north than here. And then, uh, yeah, Brisbane in my adult life from like 19 onwards. I've yeah, lived right. here. <clears throat> yeah. So are, you, are both your parents English then? Both my parents are English, yeah. yeah. All of my family still lives in the UK, except mm. for my parents and sister who are in Harvey Bay. Man, what a what a rough what a rough ride the English are getting right now, or the people in the UK. Like yeah. my uh, my partner, she's from Manchester, right? And um, we're always hearing about all these, yeah, you know, you know, lockdown again, lockdown again. I couldn't imagine living in some sort of lockdown yo-yo situation, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, their numbers are insane comparative to ours, but I just. I don't know how many people are actually following their lockdown rules and things. We're very lucky in Brisbane. Yeah, it seems like um, Australia is uh, very compliant when it comes to like government regulations, and it kind of really shows. Like when you uh, compare that to other countries, um, you know, you would like America, for example. You can see like they don't really they care more about the individual than they do about the collective, and it seems it's mm-hmm. the opposite here in Australia, which is really nice because you can kind of you can feel that. And all aspects of your life, like from you know the wealth and the healthcare and all that. So, yeah. So I, I wonder, like, what's going on over there in England myself? Because um, I thought, I don't know, I don't know what the. I mean, I used to live there too. I used to live in London, but um, I, don't, I don't know. Is is the is it different? You think, in your your opinion, or in terms of like the society side of things and, yeah. and what they value? It's hard to say because I mean, in terms of like you know social healthcare and stuff, they've always had. Like the NHS has been around for quite some time, and that's essentially free healthcare. Mm. Um, yeah, I got it I actually too. I didn't even. I was. I was just a tourist, and I was there. Yeah, you know, and I got it. I yeah, like, it's, like, it's pretty good. I mean, <laughs> there are some people definitely that are like, oh, coming in here and <laughs> taking yeah. our healthcare. Yeah, taking our healthcare. Taking our germs. Yeah, they took our healthcare. But that's that's pretty much um, like I don't. It, it's hard to say. I think. The generation now, like I suppose my generation, have a bit more of a 
you know, social point of view with that sort of stuff. But I think the population in England just hasn't helped either with their, uh, with the pandemic because there's like England's smaller than Queensland and there's 65 million people there, I want to say. Something oh, like yeah. that. 62, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So it's like three times the population of Australia almost in yeah. like a small place. Yeah. Which can't help in a big city, you know. Yeah. Yeah, especially when you go into some of those like council estates as well. They're just kind of just like right on top of each other. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can even look at what's happening, you know, in Melbourne, you know, the not a big population in comparison to like other city populations. But when it's so condensed in a city like like Melbourne, <clears throat> yeah, you're going to get problems with, you know, health <laughs> healthcare from a pandemic, for, for sure. God's sakes, you know. Yeah. But I, I guess that shows here in Brisbane as well. We're so, I don't know, separated. I don't know, like spread out i guess and, yeah but brisbane's a nice city to live in like it's actually one of my like i actually like living in brisbane and we'll probably stick around here for quite some time yeah um because it's it's pretty much the right balance between a place like a, a busy city where there's things to do when you want to do them mm. but also it's not like horrible to live amongst the busyness whereas yeah. like say personally i'm not a big fan of sydney no mm. offense yeah. anyone in sydney it's a nice place to visit but i wouldn't want to live there it's just so hectic and it's a, i found that london as well yeah it's just a hectic place to sort of reside yeah london was strange it was like <clears throat> it was fun and you could if you if you were super into like trying to find something to do uh you could you could you could find something new to do every day of the week and never go to the same place twice mm. but it was the weather the weather just really brought me down like uh, i never felt so much anxiety in my life as i did living yeah. in london with like the air quality and then it being gray on top of it i was like Ugh, jesus it, it's something like 54 percent mm. of the year that england is overcast um and people can get diagnosed with a disorder called seasonal affective disorder oh yeah sad sad yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's literally based on you know, the weather and, and that sort of thing i definitely yeah the weather's preferable here as well yeah oh most most definitely jesus we, we're doing okay in australia i think <laughs> yeah um, yeah, you know, so for me, I'm from Montana in the U.S. and right. and um, I, I worked this uh, hospital job one time, and I remember uh, we got these little blue lights that uh, that were meant to go on our desk because the office we were in was underground in the basement, so there was no natural light coming in, and they said to us, "Oh, well, we got you these uh, these blue lights that are supposed to like beam on us so that we could be happy." Tell your buddy that you're getting the right life or something. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Something like to trick your brain into that. And I was like, wow. Well, at least they're trying, you know, I mean, but they could just maybe just, I don't know, put a window in. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just a skylight. Yeah, just a skylight, please, for the love of God. Yeah, um, I mean, office jobs, they say, is uh, there's a lot of similarities to smoking, apparently, in terms of if you oh, spend... Oh, air quality. Yeah, all your time in... Well, not even just air quality. I think it's just if you spend all your time sitting in an office um with unnatural light there's there's quite a few bad things that you know deteriorate your body over time yeah i'd imagine i'd imagine so i mean um you know i just remember snacking a lot when i was like worked in an office building i was yeah. just like oh what am i gonna do ah stay in this chair for as long <laughs> as i can just wheel myself to like the you know, the break room eat eat some nonsense and then wheel myself back you know and uh i i also used to work in um uh, a call center yeah and that's pretty much what i do but like an it but oh yeah right essentially a call yeah. center yeah and like you know no offense to anybody who's who's been in there before who like struggles with it but like i just remember i yeah it's got to be different here in australia like the the way that people their fitness levels are generally a lot higher here yeah like where i was man there's like fitness what and uh some of the people in the <laughs> in the call center man like it's like I'm I'm not like raising up any any anything any new here. We all know that America like there's <laughs> there are some fat people in America, you know. And I've had a few things. <laughs> like they 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 get like they take the cake, you know, and quite literally, yeah. quite quite literally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember seeing like these poor people. They just like their job was to like sit and like they were they were massive, and just because their job just requires them just to be like no movement, yeah. you know, it's just all your fingers you know, typing away and that's it. It's definitely something like they, it's sort of hard because, yeah, I, I kind of, like I say it's a call center. It's kind of a call center. Like I take calls all day, every day, like mm. write emails and things like that. But uh, it's an office job. Yeah. Um, and in IT, but 
because of, yeah, I guess like the HR sort of stuff they have to do these days. They encourage you to get up, you know, once every two hours or something like that, walk around, make yourself a coffee, like oh, that's good. say hello to someone at another desk, like that sort of <laughs> thing. But it's in the, although usually they're on the phone. But, yeah. but Oh, yeah, uh, right. Yeah. I mean, I'd put, like preferably not want to be in the, the call center for very long. But yeah. it is. How long have you been doing that for? Well, it wasn't originally a call center job. It was kind of like we've just gotten really busy. Um, mm. But I've been in IT for like the last seven or eight years. I so, started at Apple. And now oh, I right. work at like a medical software company. Oh, okay. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've done that for three years. So when you say IT, like uh, in what what, uh, what capacity? Basically software support. So um, if people's software is not working correctly or they need help with it, they call us and then yeah. I help them with it. Does, uh, does your... Um, like skill of comedy ever come into handy with your job? Um, I would say it makes me more personable, maybe. Mm-hmm. But also possibly my job has helped me with comedy in the same sense. Uh-huh. It's like I have to talk to people all day, every day. Yeah. So like things like crowd work and stuff like that doesn't bother me as much mm. because I'm used to kind of like even this sort of thing. Like mm. we met two minutes before this podcast yeah. pretty much yeah, in exactly. person anyway. But yeah. I don't really have a problem with just chatting, you know, normally. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's helped in that sense. Also, I definitely like a lot of my comedy style, like I, I have things like impressions and things mm. during my set and certain customers have helped me oh, get yeah. impressions. Like, That's a good call. I, I do like medical receptionists and stuff like that in, yeah. in my set, which just oh, yeah. because there's a lot of people that sound similar mm. who I talk to. I was listening to one of your sets here talking about Cafe 63 <laughs> <Yeah>. and um, <clears throat> I looked up the menu as well and you're right. Like that menu is fucked. It's bizarre. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I was actually, I was actually hoping that the, the two of us can go through it and make fun of it more. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So um, I got it on my phone. I don't know. Do you be able to pull it up on yours? Yeah, sure. All right. So if anybody back in the states doesn't know what Cafe Sixty Three is, it's basically a shitty cafe. I always thought it was owned by Chinese people because it was just like it's certainly run by. <laughs> like it's it's like everything in that place is fake. Like like what do they even give you like plastic cutlery and stuff sometimes too? Like, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that place. If you get like uh, butter and like Vegemite and thing, if you order Vegemite on toast, they give you like toast and like a sachet of Vegemite on the side. Like they they wouldn't do it for you. Like uh, which I guess people are picky on Vegemite, but I don't think that's why they don't give it to you. <laughs> yeah, like it's a very odd. I mean, it's cheap, so you get what you pay for. But yeah, so okay, so if anybody like Google's Cafe sixty three, just check out their menu because there's some weird things in there that don't make any sense, like. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll start down here by start to the day, right? Like some of the names in here, like uh, Top Gun, you would think, what is that served with a on a jet or something? <laughs> and it's just scrambled eggs and 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 grilled tomato mash avo. Why the fuck is that called Top Gun? <laughs> there really is no reason for it. There's literally an omelet called Hannah. <laughs> like what? Why? Thin base egg cake, seasonal vegetables, but there's. Like, why Hannah, though? And then there's Kathy Freeman right above it. So, <laughs> the fuck? who's what, a runner? I think Kathy Freeman. What is it? Apollo 11? <laughs> like, same thing. Oh, why? I don't understand where this comes from. Tony, Yellow River. Uh, it, like, I, I was like, okay, I can, I can maybe. And then I, I try to really go into trying to find out what they're doing. Like, Cuba. <laughs> like, you know, like, if you had a Cuban, you know, uh, sandwich... You, that's like what is that like shaved ham or something like that and i was like oh it must be like shaved ham in here nope no shaved ham <laughs> of course not god like minced beef there's the sh- one called which has just minced beef on toast and it's just called police yeah what's what does that mean <laughs> it's police just police uh this one here uh sherpa so <laughs> i've been to the himalayas i've had a sherpa yeah like and I'll tell you what, they're not eating scrambled eggs with mixed salmon. <laughs> you can't even, you can't get salmon in the Himalayas. I don't know what the hell, is, <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> None of them even like, even in the same, so I do definitely encourage anyone listening to this to have a look at the menu because these are all next to each other, like directly next to each other. There's Cuba, then Sherpa, then Tahiti. Like, and then <laughs> none of these things are the same as each other. It's yeah. so odd. The joke that I pretty much write around is the kids' menu um, because they seemingly start with with characters like oh, Doc, yeah. Sleepy. Like they, they start with sort of seven dwarves and then they've got Naughty, which I don't think is a character of any sort. 
I don't think it is either. I think it's just like a behavior. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they have the welcome stranger, which just, which is four, five chicken nuggets and a hash brown. Oh, is that the stranger you think? The hash brown? Yeah. The welcome stranger's got to be the hash brown. It has to be. You finish your nuggets. Oh, a welcome stranger's right. Yeah, but what message are we sending kids, right? You know, like, I thought you're not supposed to speak to strangers. Yeah. And now they just unless they come with hash browns. Unless they come with hash browns. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> and they're welcome. <laughs> Rape me if you have a hash brown, you know? As long as there's hash browns involved. All right. Donald, Donald Duck. That doesn't even make any sense to me either. Like, to, to be honest, I wouldn't even know what would make sense if you said Donald Duck. <laughs> like, what, what, would, what would we expect there to be in a Donald Duck breakfast? I mean, it would. It sounds terrible, but I would expect like duck pancakes or something like that. If you're, oh, okay. If you're gonna say duck, yeah, it better be in but there. But it'd be kind of rude to say. Like, I don't know. Do you characterize and personify your food by well, saying it's Donald Duck that you're eating? I'm well, not sure. If we're gonna do that, then uh, if, if we'll follow that sort of um, rationale, then I mean, there better be some mice in the Minnie Mouse, you know, like some rat meat in there or something. Well, you've got to be fair across the board. Yeah, to be fair, across the board. Absolutely. <laughs> the waffles are an interesting one as well. Your your partner might like one of them, the Old Trafford, which oh, is yeah. Manchester Old... United's stadium grounds are called yeah. Old Trafford. Yeah. And then below that, just Michael Schumacher. <laughs> it's like, Again, like, why? Why? Alicia I mean, is back. Who's Alicia? Yeah, who is Alicia? <clears throat> She's back. I mean, we can just keep going down with this forever and ever. <laughs> I mean, like, everything this is, is the just... podcast. This is what really pisses me off is like if I'm in a if, if I'm in a um uh, a place especially something that has a big menu like I just want to know what it is but if they have like all these weird names to everything it means I got to read all the ingredients yeah. of every fucking thing I'm going to be sitting there for 5 hours reading this goddamn menu just so I can save $3. They say that uh well I say they I mean Gordon Ramsay specifically uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I've like watched Gordon Ramsay shows he'll go you know uh, is it Kitchen Nightmares where he goes in and yeah, like yeah. tells them what they're doing wrong yeah, he, uh, well he doesn't tell them he yells um, but he goes in and says like this is what's wrong one of the things he points out is if they've got a menu that's like more than two page like a page yeah. basically they shouldn't have like he's like let's yeah. condense this and work on like 10 meals that you're happy that you'll put mm. out every single night um and this menu has 16 pages Six, what yeah you're yeah. right it i mean really that, that includes down drinks and, down, and, and things like that but still like 16 pages of seemingly and all the goddamn names man jfk <laughs> robot virgin marilyn julius there's just a bunch of names it's billy so odd nicole ripper <laughs> pink lady I'm assuming that's because, which is pork belly. I could really fall into a whole hole here, really kind of getting like, at least the drinks are normal, you know, like, you know, they're called normal names. <laughs> Lemonade. Fucking hell. Nope. Actually, no, I was wrong. That's not true at all. We have one called Hooker. Oh. The Fruit Frappe Hooker. <laughs> and then Jackie Chan, of course. Like what? what <laughs> Just what, below what? it. Muhammad what? Ali. Hooker Damn. is ice, orange, pineapple, and mint. I was in uh, the Gold Coast and I saw this um, hookup. Well, almost. <laughs> it was it was an old lady and she was running the uh, this cafe and in there she um, she had all this this weird drinks menu and I was just this sweet old lady. She's like seventy years old and and I was like, oh okay, I'll get some lunch or whatever. And she gave me the drinks menu and the names of these drinks were like it's like. This is like not safe for work. Like these, the names of these drinks. Like one of them was uh, called like panties to the side. Right. And I was like, I was like, did you like, do you make these drinks? You know. And, and she's like, well, sometimes. And you're like, oh my God, what's happening here? I always find it when people like because I used to work in a bar uh, as a bartender, and people used to obviously order certain cocktails, and there are a few like known ones, like Sex on the Beach, and I think like Wet Pussies and stuff. Yeah. And people would always like you know, laugh as they're ordering them. It'd be like girls on a, a night out for a bachelorette party or something. And like, can we have three wet pussies, please? Like, oh, <laughs> like yeah. but as a bartender, you're like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, sure. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they're not very nice as a drink. Yeah, sure. and they're light as fuck too. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like half cranberry juice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like pretty much just ordering it to say it, I think. Is, yeah, is I think so. Part of the thrill. I used to do this thing when I worked at a bar in Sydney. Um, I used to work... Um, yeah, there's a place called the Lansdowne Hotel, 
And it was over by like Glebe and almost, it was in between Glebe and um, Newtown. Right. Um, and <clears throat> uh, girls would come in and, you know, if they didn't order a wet pussy shot, they would order something say, surprise me. So me and, uh, you know, my friend Bill, we would both do these types of uh, shots called uh, the toilet cracker. <laughs> so whenever the girls would say, surprise me, you're like, all right, I'm going to give you the toilet cracker. <laughs> and so what it was, it was um, half Sambuca, half um, uh, tequila, and you slow pour it so that they're separated. It's layered. They're layered. And then you put in a bunch of Tabasco and that sits in the middle in like a ball. Oof. And so... <laughs> <laughs> it's, always so it's always funny to see like a hen's party <laughs> who take like 12 of those and they're like get ready and you'll see them all like oh <laughs> <laughs> i mean they got what they asked for yeah they got what they asked for <laughs> it they'll pay me you know <laughs> <laughs> we used to do well, a guy i worked with made one called a snap kick to the head and it was a similar sort of thing but it was like uh half chili tequila oh. which was like like literally tequila where they'd put hot chilies just sitting in it mm. so they would soak it up. Oh, and right. then um, Bacardi 151, which is like oh, yeah. 80% or something. Yeah, super proof. strong. Ridiculous. And it, yeah, mm. I, I, the name snap kick to the hand made full sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> back, back where I'm from, like when you turn 21, uh, everyone would give you a free shot in the bars. So the idea was to go around to 21 bars, get 21 shots, yeah. and like no, no one would ever make it. No one would ever make no. it. And um, after a while, uh, I remember the local bars started like getting really sick of it because it was like a uni town. So like it was always like, it was always someone's 21st birthday. So after a while, they just started making like really gross out shots. And there was this one called the Thanksgiving dinner. So you take uh, <laughs> wild turkey, cranberry juice, <clears throat> and then you take... Um, Mayonnaise in a, sque in a squeezy bottle. Oh, nice. And you, you spray it in the middle. So it's supposed to be the mashed potatoes. And it was every time we would get the Thanksgiving dinner for anybody who was turning 21, they would throw up easily. That's the end of the night. Yeah, yeah it was the end of the night. Yeah, because it was just like this ball of mayonnaise that you know, people Oof. aren't expecting to take. Um, but, I mean, do they do anything like that here in Australia when you turn 18? Um, not from a bar <clears throat> perspective, I don't think. Um, more like. Like people will buy you drinks, things like that. But yeah. There's not, I don't think like a, if you show them your ID at the bar kind of thing. Maybe yeah. some places will be nice and do it, but I don't think it's like a, a tradition or anything like that. As yeah. Such. <clears throat> and yeah, what I find really strange here too is people celebrate the 21st birthday, mm. you know, which I didn't understand why. Because there's not I really. I think it's because American media. Oh, it's right. Like, like it's, you know, that's a big celebration in America and we've got American movies, TV, and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But realistically, I don't think there is a reason to celebrate it as much here. Yeah, I always found it so funny. It must must like be more symbolic than it does actually mean anything, I guess, right? Probably. I guess it's like, I can drink anywhere in the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Except yeah. maybe the Middle East, but that's <laughs> oh, yeah, right. thing. You're going to sneak that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, one time we went, we drove up, uh, so Montana, it borders Canada, and we drove into Canada when we were like, uh, we were 18 and we were going to drive all the way up to Edmonton and we were pulled over at the side of the, um, at the border and they told us like, look, hope you know that, um, uh, it's 21, you have to be 21 to drink in Canada. And, and I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure it's 18. And, and then, uh, you know, they actually searched our entire car as well. I don't, no. I don't know why they just giving <laughs> us a hard time. And then we left. And then as soon as I got over the border, I, I pulled into the first liquor store and I was I just opened the door and I was like, how old do you have to be to drink in, in Canada? And the guy's like, 18. I was like, I fucking knew it. <laughs> you know, so the guys at the border were lying to just us. trying to mess with you. Yeah, I think it's probably because there must be an issue with like drunk Montanans driving up to the border, getting wasted and driving around. Are you guys like near the border in Montana? Yeah, well, I mean, close enough. I mean, we, there's, uh, the town that I was from was probably like a two hour drive from, from the border. Yeah. Um, but where it's located, you know, you're not going to really hit another big metropolitan area for about a, another good six hours, and that's Calgary. Right. And there's just a bunch of nothing in between. Um, so super boring. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever been to Canada? No, I'd love to go. I haven't actually been to America or Canada, but uh, mm. I think probably my next overseas trip, whenever the borders and things open up, would be America and Canada. Yeah. I'd like to go to Whistler and snowboard. Yeah, yeah. The um, uh, like Montana is pretty good for snowboarding as well. It's apparently like the the so the Rocky Mountains, you know, go right right oh, through yeah. it. And everyone always knows about like Aspen, Colorado, and all those other other places, Vale. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, but Montana itself, its mountains are actually considered better in terms right. of that. But in terms of like the little towns around it, they're uh, not. <laughs> you <laughs> know, less stuff to do at nighttime. Less stuff. stuff to do. Yeah, that's it. So, so, I mean, Bozeman has some exciting things to do for all that stuff. But yeah, I've, I've never been to Whistler myself. That sounds like a actually pretty cool spot. Mm. But. Um, no chance doing that anytime soon. That's for goddamn sure. No, I was thinking that. I'd like, I, I'd like to do LA just to see the comedy scene there as well. Like, cause you know they've got the comedy store and, and yeah. things like that. But even that, I have heard is pretty dead at the moment because yeah, I guess it would be not allowed to do much. Yeah, the uh, the comedy store is a weird one. Let's say if you wanted to go up and you wanted to do a um, like a set, the way it was when I lived in LA was that you uh, you sign up and you're on a lottery system. And so there's like all these comedians every night trying to get up on the comedy store, you know, because it's a pretty, it's like, it's a hell of a opportunity. Yeah. And you only get like, I, th- I want to say it's three minutes. Wow. Maybe, maybe less. And <sighs> they'll hard. just, and they'll just do a lottery system unless you know, you know, the guys there. And then you, so you sit outside, twiddling your thumbs, waiting to see if you can get on stage. And then they'll just call your name out of like, I don't know, 20 or 30 people. So you have to like do that every night until you get on stage and then you might not even, you know, which is still not bad odds because I'd rather do that. Um, and I used to live in Chicago and in Chicago, there's there's no real comedy clubs. It's all like venue spaces. Right. And there's no, there's no one in Chicago really in these places who were just regular people. They were all comedians. So like there'd be some of these places where it would be a hundred people going up in a single night. You get two wow. minutes and you sit there and depending on where you put on the list, you don't know if you're going to get wasted beforehand or if you're, you know, what your state is going to be by the time <laughs> you get up. And it's happened to me before where I've just waited for too long. And then I was just like, you know, I've had too many drinks. I can't actually go on stage now. Yeah. Like, you know, that is uh, the thing with those sorts of shows. I did one competition once, which was not good on retrospect but um but mm. they had like 22 comedians go up which is and they gave them all a five minute which is you know quite a long thing for for 22 comedians like yeah the crowd be. don't want to sit around for no, that no um but you know you've got people trying to be supportive of their friend who's mm. jumping up and stuff but that's probably the most intoxicated i've been on stage because i was like Just 18th waiting. or something in the the lineup of comedians oh, right. so i was i'd been drinking there for like two or three hours kind Jesus. of thing. Um, and you're like, so yeah. yeah but, but at that point, you still don't have any like, you know, worry about going on stage. Yeah. You're like, well, I guess it's about to. <laughs> I was pretty stoked. To, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, fuck it, let's go. But I didn't do badly actually, but I did forget to tell a whole joke, um, which wasn't ideal. Yeah, but I mean, do you think they knew? Um, it was just a shorter set. I think I did like four minutes instead of five. Oh, yeah, so right. they were like, oh, yeah, come back when you've got more material. I did okay. And they, I think, I think I, like they'd said that I would have been the top half of comics mm. or something. But Was yeah. that here in Brisbane? Or? It was, yeah. But uh, I don't even remember the name of the club. It, it's not a club that I'm familiar with now. Oh, right. Even like an organization. I, don't, I think it was just like a one-off venue thing mm. um but yeah it was it was at the normanby oh which, the normanby um, yeah, yeah like i feel like the rise and fall of the normanby like i i i just i don't know I, I i hear about a bunch of people that i've met here before saying oh it used to be a quite a quite a good place to go and then now it's like I yeah don't know. it's like uh i didn't live here in the normanby's heyday <laughs> i don't think <laughs> um but yeah it's a, apparently a bit of a rougher place no offense normanby i'm sure it's great but <laughs> but uh yeah i've I've not heard many of my friends going there, to be honest. But. Yeah, it's kind of in a weird spot too. Like you'd have to, you'd have to want to go there, mm. you know, or, or drive drunk away from it, <laughs> you know. Yeah, because they're on the side of that like, like yeah. highway road. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like two highways right next to it. And you're yeah. like, well, how does anyone conveniently arrive here? Yeah, you know, Uber, I guess. <laughs> Uber, yeah, yeah. Um, so when you started your uh, your um, uh, your comedy uh, venue. You said it was right at the beginning of COVID. Mm-hmm. So how did you keep that motivation going for it? Like, you know, after those couple of months? Um, well, it's sort of interesting. It kind of actually gave me a better chance to prepare. Cause I, so the first one was literally in March. And then at the first one was when restrictions had just started or they, they were literally bringing them in the week after. Because you know how like they kind of prepped everyone, they're like, next week we're going to start locking things down. Mm. So they gave everyone a chance and tickets had already come out for the first show that we were running 
And so we had a few people buy tickets and stuff. Then a few people returned them because they were like, oh, you know, locking down and things like that. We probably had a crowd of like 15 people, which for a first show was was actually all right at the time. Yeah. Um, but there was like this awkward kind of like feel to it because mm. it's like, oh, should we be out here? Should we not? No oh, one knew yeah. at that time how yeah. bad anything would get. It's just like the first time in our lives really that we're told that we have to lock down because of a potential virus. It's, right, you know, like something straight out of a movie. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. So I think it was a bit odd, but it was um, a fun show. Like people seemed to enjoy it, but then, uh, you know, people wearing masks in the audience and stuff like that. Um, but the show itself, like I kind of, like obviously you kind of have to, well, me personally, I have to do something before I fully get it. Like that's how I tend to learn is like someone shows me, but then I have to go through it and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I get oh, it because yeah, yeah, now yeah. I've done it. Yeah. Um, so I'd done the show and I was like, okay, here's what like I would improve on. Yeah. And then I guess I had like two and a half months to improve on it before yeah. the next show. So I kind of knew like, okay, time-wise, this is how long I'd give each comedian and I'd probably book around eight. And, mm. you know, I, I, I emceed the show myself for the first eight months. Mm -hmm. So I'd be the MC bringing on the comics for the show and hyping up the crowd and then letting them come on. Um, but it's only just switched in January so that I'm um, bringing on MCs to do paid spots sort of thing. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, so it kind of gave me a chance to prepare. I started making posters and branding and getting, like, logos sorted. And I guess that that time away from actually running mm. the show helped me to to build yeah, the name like, for Crack Up. Yeah, what do they call it? Um, they call it uh, a state of uh, expansion and a state of uh, contraction. Mm. So if you take the um analogy of like a, a bow and arrow uh you know you have to pull back you know in order for it to go forward yeah and so that's kind of like a pretty good uh, opportunity for you then to kind of go into that contraction and that business planning so it can go pretty far forward now how did you go when your first show uh the next i guess the first show after everything sort of opened up again? the first show sold out did it? Um, yeah, That's I think, great. which was pretty crazy because I was like, "Man, this is gonna like." So people kill were us. really like, like wanting King. to get the fuck out of the house, weren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was um, so they were bringing things back in pretty slowly. So it was like you can do uh, things where you can sit down with alcohol, but mm. you're not allowed to. You know how they had the weird rules where you couldn't stand up with alcohol? It's still like that dance. in New South Wales, actually. It is. It's funny. It's like, oh, man, this is so two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, again, I think we were lucky there, like in Brisbane, that our rules sort of lapsed quicker than yeah. everyone else's. But yeah, and so a lot of people would like give it shit, you know, oh, because standing up is how you spread a virus. I think they purposely do that so that because you're more sociable when you stand. Yeah. Because like if I'm sat here with you talking and then there's a table over there of people talking, it would be weirder for me to get up and then excuse myself mm. to go over there. But if we were standing, I'd be like, oh, yeah. And I could like quite easily walk over there. So yeah. I assume that's why they did it. But yeah. what it meant for shows and things was that people weren't going out dancing and going to bars and socializing in standing up areas, but they could go and drink at a comedy show. Mm. So provided that we followed the rules, which we did. Yeah. A with sold your COVID out safe show. plan. You had to come up with a COVID safe plan. Yeah. And a sold out show was like 60% capacity or something technically because it's like. The distancing. Yeah. 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 Um, and then comics were included in how many people could be in the room. So I think right. my rule was 40 in the crowd or something like that. Okay. Um, but yeah. So we had busy shows from the get go. And I guess like I'd been marketing it whilst we were away so i was kind of really trying to push mm. the show back as soon as we could get it back yeah so you had a lot of anticipation coming up yeah, yeah. i made like videos and so that's what i did with the time i had like made oh, video ads to kind of be like here we are like we're back here's what cool. the last show looked like come to the next one so that kind of helped um weirdly it put us in a good position to start up again yeah yeah but, congratulations yeah. that's really cool Thank you. yeah <laughs> it's, it's been a lot of fun actually but uh quite unexpected how quickly things have, have moved with the the show and stuff but it's good yeah yeah good on you man um when i was back in the states i i tried um starting a venue twice so the first one was in a town like three hours away because it was like the the town i was in is kind of small and so i got together with a group of like uh comedians out of spokane washington and we and i went to like an open mic there and i met all these guys and <clears throat> we all got on really well and we started a um a jazz and comedy night Oh, yeah. Above this uh, restaurant called Thai Mama's Lounge. And nice. so <laughs> Thai Mama was always there, too. She'd always, like, would give us, like, free drinks if um, if we did the comedy. 
but we, but we, we, but you know, it was a huge mistake to put jazz in with it because there is like that weird connection between jazz and comedy. It seems like in the states, um, but not on the same night. I think. Yeah. And is it the type of club maybe like speakeasy venues? Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, and I, th I think the best way to do it would be to do your comedy show and then have the jazz at the end of it, and then you don't go back to comedy. So what we made the mistake was that we would do jazz first and then comedy later. And everyone was like all too chilled out. <laughs> they didn't want to listen to like a bunch of guys telling abortion jokes, you know, <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> they're like, this guy was just doing jazz. And this guy came up and fucking pooped on our table. <laughs> so, but I mean, are you, so is it, so what's your plan for, for the next stage with your, with your comedy? Uh, well, we just moved to Good Chat and that's the first time we've gone to weekly shows. So mm. I was fortnightly in the last venue, uh, who did help me out a lot actually, like Backdoc, that's what they're called Backdoc Arts. Mm. Um, they're in Fortitude Valley. Uh, they helped me a lot with, with growing originally. They had like a... And that's where you started it. Yeah. 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 And that's more of a theater venue. So it's kind of like almost cinema seating. Ah, but, right, right. But like 55 seats back when I was there. Mm. Um, but it's it's kind of interesting because then you're playing to a crowd that's kind of like sloped up, mm. which is cool. Um, but yeah, it, it just like from a business point of view, it made sense to kind of work with the guys at Good Chat because we were using um, like we're a very similar group of comedians in both rooms. Mm. Um, so after sort of speaking with them over the Christmas period, we decided to go ahead and do a weekly show there, which was more financially viable and and sh like fun kind of thing. Mm. Um, but obviously we want to differ from what they currently already offer from a Good Chat perspective. Mm -hmm. So they have like their Wednesday. Have you been to Good Chat and seen a show there at all? Um, I, I have, yeah. And I uh, I was going to go and do stand-up on the, on the Monday that originally oh, cool. went into like that three-day lockdown. Right. And then I was like, well, well, never mind. <laughs> um, well, I'll have you on on a Monday for sure. Um, but so, because that's, if, if you're doing it on a Monday, it might have been through me actually because that's the show that I run uh, on Mondays there now. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. But um, I know Jake uh, tends to sort of point people in my direction if, mm. if he's talked to them about Mondays. Um, but the reason he would have done that is because the difference with my show versus their Wednesday is that their Wednesday is all established comics that mm. are known kind of in the Brisbane scene. Yeah. Um, whereas the Monday now, in order to be different from that, I'm trying to introduce new comics to the scene. Yeah. So my lineups are now half and half. Um, so we've got like four or five established comics mm. and then four new comics. But the four new comics tend to compete for like a crowd favorite prize. Mm. Um, and then they get like $50 cash and you know, oh, some beers or something like that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so, yeah, so I guess like that's what makes it different is it's sort of um, introducing new comics and then there's a competition element to the second half of the show. Mm. And that kind of hypes people up. It means that people are bringing in their friends to new shows. Like a lot of people are like, I think they think they're not into comedy shows and then their friend becomes a comic and they want to go and see them. Mm. And then they're like, oh, this is fun. And yeah. then they go to other shows and kind of get involved in the scene. So yeah. I guess we're just trying to like, the plan from here is to grow the scene, get more people involved in it that might have wanted to try it, but have never done it and mm. that sort of thing. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah. There was, um, uh, I went to, what's it called? Um, sit down comedy club at, at the Pado. Nice. And I was just, I just remember like, you know, not really like gonna, I don't even know the guy's names or anything, but sometimes uh, I remember when I first started out, I would see some real, like, it's obvious when someone is, is new as a comic, because mm -hmm. you could see they're talking like either like masturbation jokes or being really self-deprecating, things like that, um, or being too hard on the crowd, you yeah. know, like That's bombing everybody one. out, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, and, I, and I saw that with like uh, people who were either, you know, being the MC, and I was like, man, like it's very odd MC. to bum out the crowd as an MC. That's yeah, a, like you have to be very brave. You're gonna, like yeah. you have to peel it back for the comics that are about to come on. Yeah, wh what I saw was like uh, the MC came out, and then he like gave everyone. No one had actually done anything bad yet, but he was already like sort of like reprimanding them about using their phone. Right, and it wasn't like in a comedic way. It was more like in a like the rules of like the show I'm, yeah but like almost as if he was treating them like they were children or something and it was and it was and it, you could feel that it bummed everyone out yeah and i was like man this guy hasn't even done any comedy yet he's already like bumming everybody out at the beginning no of the show 
so it's so it's really kind of a fine balance isn't it like you know to get people to like you immediately mm. um so i guess some rules don't bum anybody out <laughs> yeah fair <laughs> i also live by the other rule too of uh not to let um anyone uh see you as a as a bad person when you're telling stories or something uh, because if you come across as like an unlikable person obviously everything you say is gonna you're not gonna have the crowd on side for anything yeah exactly it's a fine line i mean and that's something on your point on like new comics that sometimes they may fall into the i guess the disliked person is mm. where it's not clear that they're being sarcastic and it sounds like it's their genuine point of view <laughs> like they're <laughs> like, too dry or something about yeah, it. yeah like if you're making say abortion jokes or something like yeah. that and it sounds like callous or uncaring or mm. whatever uh, i mean there's a few people that make you know like sexual harassment jokes and things like that and that's i i personally think there's no topic you shouldn't be able to joke about right however <laughs> there it's are the some topics yeah. that you have to be extremely careful when mm. you joke about them yeah um and often new comics who try and come up with the offensive material go too far in the paint and then it sounds like they actually think what they're saying so like if they're saying something that sounds misogynistic mm. the joke i think if ricky gervais explained it is that the when I tell a joke about pedophiles, say, um, I it's it's under the understanding that all of us mm. disagree with pedophiles. Yeah, right. I'm not <laughs> I'm not aiming it at a pedophile being like, oh, you'll love this one, mate, because like, yeah. oh, you're a yeah. pedophile. Yeah. It's the dead opposite. But if yeah. you can't convey that to the crowd, then they're like, this guy likes pedophiles. Yeah, which is uh, not what you want. Right, right. I, I know what you mean. Like if you started like, you know, without any sort of context to start. Um, maybe saying that you're one or something you know mm. or <clears throat> talking about and just going too far down that road without any sort of uh contextual basis yeah you know? i yeah. used to have a joke that i used to tell about uh, being a pedophile it's actually one of the first jokes i told oh yeah um and it was about uh because we had the rules of a a competition that I did. Actually, the first show I ever did was at um, Brat Pack Comedy Competition, which is one that Good Chat runs. Mm. And that was, I decided the first show I wanted to do had to be a competition mm. because that way I'd have to have material and write oh. it. Because I'd always be like, oh, yeah, I'll do an open mic sometime. I'll give it a go. And then I just never did. So mm. I needed the oh, you need solid some, yeah. plan to have a five minute set by this day. And yeah. so I did that. And um, one of the rules of the show was like, you know, don't make fun of minorities. <laughs> clearly like if you're not gay yeah. don't joke about gay people yeah which is fair um so i explained that in the set and said uh you know you're not meant to punch down don't make fun of minorities that you're not a part of mm. uh, so from here on in i'll be strictly telling pedophile jokes yeah. <laughs> and that like it actually did well yeah. but it's because i think it's because i explained that the rules are this and it's like and i'm a pedophile mm. like hey, but that's the drop yeah, kind yeah of that's thing. it yeah but um, everyone understands yeah exactly yeah, because where you're going with it but if i yeah. opened with like so i'm a pedophile <laughs> and, like, people would be like what the hell <laughs> uh, good day everyone <laughs> yeah. things about me yeah. <laughs> um so yeah oh, but you God. have to be careful I mean, even when I wrote that, I was like, oh, it might. Yeah, you don't <laughs> know how to you know, overanalyze it sometimes. Like, yeah. oh, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it's a fine line. I mean, sit down. There are a lot of people that do the sit down comedy club that also do um, our shows as well. Um, some don't, but it's just that we're not in the same circles and things. But it's been a while since I've been to a sit down show, to be honest. Really? So it's two different groups of uh, comics, you think, completely? They, I would say that there's like a Venn diagram of, so like there's, <laughs> there's an overlap of comics oh, in really? both. Um, but there are some that wouldn't do our rooms and some of ours that wouldn't do theirs. Not for any sort of, you know, I don't think any personal reasons, but yeah. more so just that they're not introduced to those crowds or, you know. Oh, right. Sit Down's got a bit more of a um, process in order to get on their shows. Oh, right. What, yeah. What's the process? Um, I think it's that you have to email them and send them videos of you doing shows. It used to be that they had open mics set up around Brisbane. So you'd have to phone up to go onto an open mic, like try and get in the queue of, I guess it's similar to comedy stories if you don't have to be there. Mm. <laughs> you just have to call them at a certain time and get on the lineup and then you show mm. up and do your stuff. Yeah. And if they like you, then they'll put you on an actual sit down show. Right. Um, but now they, because of COVID, a lot of those spots shut. And, mm. and I, as far as I've seen, they haven't opened back up. So now it's more of a formal, like, 
hey, here's a bit about myself and oh, right, can right, I right. do your show and here's a clip and this comedian likes me, you can ask them if mm. I'm good and that sort of thing. You know, I, I've been wondering what if, you know, because of uh, sit down and not being in those venues anymore, you know, are those venues open to a, another potentially you know, company coming in and taking it or what potentially i guess it depends on the venue um some of them i remember actually had like sit down posters and signs and things like that right. so i guess it depends on how affiliated they are yeah if they have a contract or something like that I mean, yeah that's maybe yeah but there's a few like i mean there's a few venues i've had in mind for other shows and things but mm. um thankfully no crossover yet with, yeah. <laughs> with any other ongoing comedy clubs so how does that work with you right now since you're using uh the space at uh good chat like do you have to, are you like on a contract with these guys or pretty much yeah. yeah it's um at the moment it's sort of a mutual agreement i'm setting up the business side of things at the moment as we speak mm -hmm. um Technically, it started on a trial basis at Good Chat because they wanted to see that the show dynamic worked and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it seems like we're going ahead with it. So yeah, nice. now we'll probably formalize <laughs> it more. Yeah, The idea of, because obviously people, would, and I've been asked before about how Crack Up and Good Chat can work together, given that we're technically, we weren't ever like against each other in any way, but we were technically two separate room runners that, you know, mm. ran shows. But um People are like, well, isn't that bad if you're just going and doing their room? Doesn't that work out worse for you? Um, but not really. Like my my plan wasn't to become a, a room runner, like the biggest room runner or anything like that. Mm. It's to grow a, a comedy in Brisbane. So yeah. if I can help grow a comedy in Brisbane by doing a show at an actual comedy venue, then mm. that that does what I want kind of thing. Yeah, cool. Do you have any... Um uh, any big names coming through uh, Good Chat? We've had a few, yeah. I mean, Good Chat definitely have had a few in the past as well. Um, mm. The ones that I've had through would be like Damien Powers, is a pretty common one. Um, mm. He comes through a fair bit. Mel Buttle, mm. um, who was recently on, like, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Oh, yeah, nice. We had Adam Ray come through from the US. Um, he, Him and uh, Nate Jackson and Ronnie Cheng were all filming with The Rock in like Brisbane. Oh, cool. For a little bit. Um, cause The Rock's got a TV show coming out, I think next month. Oh, really? Uh, about his life. Oh. And it was mainly filmed in Brisbane. So yeah, I don't <laughs> really? know why they picked Brisbane. Probably because of the pandemic and stuff like that. And we, we had pretty lapse rules with it. But, yeah. um, yeah, so they filmed uh, in Brisbane and so a bunch of people from America were over who just wanted to do shows because they haven't for months. Yeah. Um, so those were some pretty big names that came through. Mm. Um, did a couple of shows with Adam and went to the Gold Coast with him. And that was pretty, that was a fun time. Um, but yeah, good chat, get a few. They've had like Luke Heggie and Nick Cody and a mm. few others, like some pretty bigger names in, in at least Queensland comedy kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And when the borders open up, I assume they'll have more from Victoria and New South Wales coming back and yeah, we'll see what happens. But apparently the rock's filming again here and, next year so we'll see what we get yeah i wonder what the rock would be like if he did stand up you know like <laughs> i think people just like enjoy anything he says you yeah like, i'd probably watch it <laughs> <laughs> people would show up for that shit i think if you're listening the rock uh yeah. i'll put you on a show dear Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> anytime yeah well let's see if we can get Dwayne the rock johnson onto this podcast see, <laughs> see what happens you know shoot you know shoot big i mean if he's coming to Absolutely. brisbane i mean why not <laughs> well apparently adam was telling me that the rock does more like um he films where he lives, which is not Colorado. It's something like Colorado. But he basically only films where he lives. It's in his contract that he, because oh, his family lives there. Right. He's a big family guy. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. He, yeah. That's pretty, that's um, a really good idea, actually. Yeah, yeah. So you're not traveling all over the place, being like gone from family and what's the point anymore. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I think he's like, you know, he's older now and he's got kids and stuff. Yeah. So I well, think he prefers and he's got the the control, you know. He's, well, yeah, he's <laughs> he's the rock. I yeah. mean like he can he can pretty much say whatever he wants, do whatever he wants to do. Yeah. Which is good for him. But the because the movie's mm -hmm. his life story, uh, he's not technically in it yet. Mm. Because it's like, you know, oh, when like, he started and yeah. then his dad and then he gets into uh W C W no WWE. Yeah, I remember that. WWF it would have been at the time. Yeah, WWF. So, yeah. What do they call it now? Was it like w WWE? WWE. Because the World Wildlife Foundation didn't like oh, that's WWF. Right. <laughs> Something like that. Oh, well, you know, I mean, 
I guess maybe they should change their name. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I assume there was a court case because it's uh, you know yeah pre- pre- pretty big situation there. I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was cool to have those guys come through and and mm. do stuff. I think it was I forget who Ronnie Cheng was playing. He didn't actually do my show. I don't know if he did Good Chat, but he did another room here called Don't Choke. Oh yeah, which is probably the third room that people know of outside of. Yeah, as and and sit down. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure Ash Chapman talked about that that room as well. I think it's run by. Um, uh, I can't remember if it's run by uh, someone he mentioned. Was I think her name was Olivia. There's Chloe Madrin runs. Don't oh. choke. Oh, Chloe. Maybe that's what. It was yeah, saying. yeah. And she's nice. Like I've worked with her a few times. I've helped her run her shows and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, we're not like competing specifically again people think i think that we're like yeah i'm not going to don't choke i'm not supporting them yeah you know i've actually done that room as a comedian and and i've helped her with the sound and stuff it's not like you guys all meet in an alleyway and like like one group has changed the other one has like (laughs) knives and stuff yeah Yeah. just that scene in anchorman with everyone's swinging chains the guy's just holding grenade Ah. (laughs) um so what, what, what would you say would be the um most memorable set that you've done that i've done um Good question. I um, hard to say specifically. I've uh, the venue I've done the best in each time would be good chat. Like I've done probably two there where I was, you know, you walk off and you're like, I killed. Like that was really fun, and the mm-hmm. crowd seemed to really like it. Um, actually, Raw. So uh, sit down comedy do a competition every year called Raw which the prize is to get onto the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Oh, right. Which is a big prize. Yeah, big it, one, it's, yeah. It basically goes, so Brisbane does the Queensland ones, then you get into the finals against mm. Queenslanders, and mm. then you go against other states, and right. the winner of the state one goes to Melbourne Comedy. So you have to do like four or five shows before you get to that thing. But the first one I did, I was very nervous because I'd never done the sit-down stage, and it's a bit more like intense i guess it's a bigger crowd and that sort of thing Mm. um but that one was uh one of the best shows i did at that time Mm. so i guess that was pretty memorable yeah Um, and i got through to like the semi-finals um, but then i don't i didn't i think it was the semi-finals i didn't get through Mm. to the next one um but yeah that was a good one i think it's sort of hard to pick an exact one Mm. really i mean recently i had a show where i finally got like a full probably 10 minutes that's from start to finish, I know the exact setup mm-hmm. and that's just happened. So that's exciting in itself. So to deliver that whole bit finished, which mm-hmm. I pretty much did last week, oh, that yeah. was fun. <laughs> oh, wow. So it was like, a, so you had, so you just finished the the writing of the, of the bit and then pretty much like I've, like I've, gotten a bunch of bits together and it's like this is the full set how i would do it all together okay and i've tried them all separately Mm. in different shows and venues and things and then this one's like oh that's how i'm gonna write those together yeah Um, so it's fun to sort of do those ones and finish up with that the biggest crowd i did was like 110 um which was a place called the outpost Mm -hmm. um they had like i don't think they're still going but i think they had like a short sort of contract with the council during covid because it's such a big venue they're they're like the other side of fortitude hall so okay yeah you've seen fortitude hall in uh, the valley there that's like a big massive concert venue they've got like a back room called outpost bar and that's like with with all the covid restrictions spread out tables and stuff it's 110 capacity but uh, so right, okay. they could, the council gave them a grant to have free comedy shows mm. um, where he'd book up a lineup and then 110 people could come and watch while social distancing, which yeah. was pretty cool to do that um, just because of the, the crowd numbers kind of thing. But yeah, definitely. That was also probably the most nervous I've been before a gig <laughs> because of how many people were there. Oh, yeah, right. But it went well. So, <laughs> oh, man, the most nervous I've yeah. ever been is I was, um, I was uh, headlining a, a festival. Oh wow, that'll do it. <laughs> and I bombed. And oh, I bombed. No. <laughs> and I was like, no, this is what? terrible. I see. I've never had like a, a show that would say like I fully bombed. I've had like definitely shows. Where I'm like, oh, that was tough. Like yeah. all the way through, I'd get a few laughs here and there, but nowhere near what you expect, kind of thing. Mm. Um, and plus, when people don't laugh at one joke, but you're like, that's one of my best jokes, then you're it like, just throws you off. For yeah, the whole oh, thing. that was that was Chicago for <laughs> for everything because the, the comedians they were just sitting there like just being like, that's funny, and like drawing, you know, like taking notes. 
you know, so they might think it's funny, but they're not laughing, yeah. you know, so you just have no idea yeah, what's true. going on. What was the, like, worst bump you've had? Was that, well, I suppose if you're headlining it's, it's my, hard. It's, it's my own fault, really, because um, I I was sort of forced to do extra, like, material. And I and I was like, oh, I'm going to write this whole set on hemorrhoids. And I and I didn't test it. <laughs> and so I, I started off okay at the beginning, but towards the end, I went into this thing about hemorrhoids. And it just... You know, once you start, you just have to, like, you finish, like, you, you need to finish it. Otherwise, you just look like you're giving up. Yeah. You know, like, you're running away with the tail in between your legs. So, like, <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, well, just, I just got to double down. I'm going to double down on this fucking thing, you know. <laughs> and um, it was weird because uh, at the time, this was the first time my ex-girlfriend back then was actually seeing me do comedy for the first time. Right. And... It had a kind of a big profound effect on, you know, me doing comedy for a while because, you know, I bombed for like an idiot. Um, uh, my my girlfriend at the time didn't think I was funny. And I was like, oh, Jesus. Like, and then it took me a while to get back into it just because of that. Like, it really knocked me back for a while. Yeah. I think um, everyone, every comedian has like the the one show at least that like makes you check your ego a little bit. It's yeah. Like, oh, maybe I'm not funny. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm not funny. Maybe I'm just making a fool of myself. <laughs> Yeah. Ugh. Weirdly, my my I'd say my biggest bomb was probably that uh that semi-final um for, oh, really? for raw comedy. And it was it was just after COVID lifted again. So the rule like the show could be on. Um a few comics told COVID jokes, which I think made the crowd a bit like tense. Oh right. Like, it it's it was a weird situation at the time. Yeah. And then I came out and did a COVID joke. And I like and it, as a comics had done theirs, I was like, <laughs> I've already like planned this set. Yeah. And like I couldn't really back away from it mm. last minute, which on retrospect, I would now, like, but I'm more experienced now mm. that I'd back away. I'd just be like, I'm not doing that joke anymore because a bunch of people have done similar bits. Um but that my girlfriend now, that was the first show she ever saw me in. And I was probably the worst I've ever done really? on stage. But she well. stuck around. So that's good. That's good. Yeah, she comes to shows now. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. It was, so as long as you're supportive, like, I mean, <laughs> like, it's surprising to think, like, how, you know, how exposed, like, comics can be if mm. their partner doesn't like support what they're doing because it'll just like it'll neg you out free get on stage or, For sure. or uh, you'll, you, you'll, you'll try to like not, you know, think of it as a priority to write anymore, then it all can just go spiraling out of control for sure. So yeah, I'm definitely lucky in that sense. I mean, that was we were just seeing each other then, so we weren't actually together. Mm. Um, but she was like, "Oh, I should come and see you at a show," and I was like, "Yeah, sure." Because in my head, I'd like I killed on the first one, and they tell you to do pretty much the same set. So yeah, I was like, "Yeah, sure, come to a show. That'll be good." Mm. And then did badly. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but since that point, she's like, "Oh, you should like." sit and write and do your stuff whilst I'm like doing my thing and you yeah. know, she encourages it and asks if I'm going to the shows that are on and she mm. talks to other comedians and like you know actually tries to get to know people and do the same networking that I do yeah, that's good which idea. is really good like yeah. it helps me that she's in the same boat mm. in terms of trying to boost yeah. know, what I'm doing which is good yeah that's awesome yeah it's really good pretty rare I think yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sort of lucky in that sense my ex didn't want me doing comedy really at all yeah I think some thought I th it was embarrassing I think some I think some partners get like really sort of I don't know yeah exactly that they, they think it's embarrassing and like mm. oh how can I introduce this person like ah it's, it's more like they're worried about how people feel about them than exactly they are about, about you it's like yeah yeah well if you have a problem with it it's your problem you yeah know? most people think it's great which on know? retrospect is how i feel about it but at the time yeah. i was like oh fair enough <laughs> yeah yeah it takes a while to like grow into your own and then you figure out that's what it is literally do you have a um uh a method into how you do your writing I wish I had more of a method mm. into my writing. Um, I tend to write jokes as I think about them. So mm. if I think of a funny idea, I literally put it in my notes on my phone. Mm. And then every now and then I'll sort of sit and try and expand. I just opened Cafe 63 on my phone. <laughs> um, I pretty much expand on them. So like this is like my list of jokes. And oh, then cool. the scroll bar just gets smaller and smaller and smaller as it goes. But um so it might be like an idea, like see these smaller ones. Oh, it's yeah. It's like an idea and then I pretty much just then mm. branch out on them. Um, annoyingly, I sort of have moments of like, oh, I, now I know where to go with that bit and then I'll write the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so like even the Cafe 63 thing, I wrote in one 
like one thing. Mm. I just saw the menu, went home and wrote the thing. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I won't write something for like <laughs> a week or two. And then I'll sort of, yeah, annoyingly, I'll get like at one in the morning, I'll get an idea and but I have to pick up my phone and do it, even if I've got work in the morning kind of thing. Oh, but yeah, yeah, makes yeah. sense. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I wish I had more of a method. Do you have anything specific that you do? Um, yeah, it's more like just me, like, before it was me just being really, having like a dark sense of humor and looking at things. And uh, like, for example, in the hometown that I had, and this used to be my opener, is that um, I, there was a, there's a th there's a place in America called Planned Parenthood, and Planned Parenthood is where mm -hmm. sometimes people go there to get abortions. And next to Planned Parenthood opened up a Chinese restaurant. And I thought that was just ridiculous <laughs> that there was like a Chinese restaurant opening up next to like an abortion clinic. Yeah. So I used to say, I was like, hey, like I just went to that new Chinese restaurant. They opened up next to uh, Planned Parenthood. You know, uh, I thought um, I, got, and I got a fortune cookie that said that wasn't chicken. It was funny because I thought that the Kung Pao fetus was foul, you know, and then you, said, and then you just keep on going down with it. It was just like, yeah. you know, more and more of them. But, um, uh, but the method I've been trying to do now is I do like long form writing mm. and then I'll try to take segments of what I write just to sort of like do like a brain dump. Right. And then try to find pieces out of there and then, and then I'll record myself saying it and then I'll rewrite it. And the idea, I, I never get up to it. I try to get up to like 25 rewrites on the joke. Wow. Just so I can really sharpen it in to see if I'm making myself laugh at this point. Yeah. And then, because you can kind of simplify it. Because when you do long form, it's too complicated. It's more like, you know, David Sedaris sort of essay writing. And then it, it's not the same style at all when it comes to... You wouldn't do it on stage. No. It would like be tell too... a whole story. Kind yeah. Of it would be too, too wordy. Mm. So you really have to kind of dumb it down a bit or, or, or simplify it so that you get straight into the com the comedy. And I wish there was a more efficient method because that is like a lot of work. And, yeah. you know, I get a bit lazy about it, to be honest, because of that. Um, but other than that, like I used to do a bunch of one-liners, but now um, I've really been focusing on the podcast more, more than anything else these days. But Definitely focuses change. I, my struggle with writing is that a lot of my downtime is running crack up. <laughs> as well oh as yeah like right comedy thing and now yeah. it's weekly like i have to book comedians every week and mm. back and forth between them mm. i make all the posters and oh yeah right all that sort of stuff myself so um yeah it doesn't leave a lot of time for writing yeah. during my time emceeing though mm. um because i emceed every show that gave me a lot of stage time mm -hmm. to really like kind of like the, the your 25 rewrites I had I videoed all of my sets as emceeing, and then I just watched those back and be like, I liked that tag that I added, mm. even though it was like an off the cuff kind of, mm -hmm. you know. But I wouldn't do that, like just an off comment about mm -hmm. it. Um, and then um, yeah, I'd write that into the joke, and then I'd add another tag the next show, and I'd write that into the joke, and so then it became like one joke. But mm. yeah, yeah, it's interesting when you get on stage because you don't know what you're going to say sometimes when you're on stage. Yeah. And even in that moment, like you're just wit and just might pop out and you're like, oh, but if you don't film it or you don't remember it and you're like, oh, what did I say? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it is good to like film yourself. That's, uh, how, how do you do it? Do you just like uh, have like, uh, just put up a tripod somewhere? Or Usually yeah, I'd set up a phone or something like that. Yeah. Um, I've lucked out and one of my friends is uh, his, sort of growing his brand. Oops, sorry. He's growing his brand in, there we go. Microphone <laughs> <Aww>. again. <laughs> um, he's sort of growing his brand of photography and that sort of stuff by mm. going to shows and photographing them. And he's always like, "Do you want me to record your set?" Because oh, he's cool. also a comedian. So oh, yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, so that sort of helped me. Um, and then I'll do similar stuff for him, kind of thing, like mm. put him on shows and record those. And yeah, nice. Yeah, for a while, one of the things I did to sort of help grow Crack Up was give comedians their video and audio. So I'd actually edit from two camera angles and record the mm. audio from their mic and then edit over it and kind of make it like a full clip and oh, cool. give it to them. It became a lot of work. So yeah, like sounds relatively like a lot quickly, of work. I was like, I can't keep you, doing like, this every two weeks. Yeah, it was like a nice idea, but I don't know about this shit. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, but at the time it was, again, good when COVID was on, I had the time to give people their their stuff back. And yeah, so yeah, that nice. helped. But well, yeah, cool. it's a hard one. Well, um, I think we've uh, we've gone just about uh, just about over an hour now. So, nice. um, some uh, some takeaways here today. It's pretty cool to like learn about like how through like COVID and everything they've been able to sort of 
you know, shoot yourself forward in terms of like uh, creating a new comedy uh, venue. And um, so, yeah, so uh, anybody's listening, if you're in the Brisbane area, make sure to check these guys out. Um, it's on Monday and Wednesdays, is that right? Uh, pretty much. So Crack Up Comedy is on Mondays um, and then Good Chat Comedy is Wednesdays and Fridays. Okay, perfect. Yeah, great. Um, well, cool. Well, th- thanks so much for being on. And um, thanks, for having th- me. thanks for listening to Curious Pete. If you want to follow along in all the other episodes we have, we're on Podbean and Spotify. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> see ya. Oh, God, it really hurts my ears, those things. <laughs> Cause I got big ears though, they like stick straight out. <laughs>